He was a rough guy. He was out of the mountains. He was of the inhabitants of Gilead. He was a rough, tough guy. He was rough cut. Uh, he was a no-nonsense kind of guy. He is not the guy that you would have picked uh, to be a prophet. Very likely to, that Elijah didn't have a lot of formal education, but Elijah had one thing, and that was Elijah believed in the miraculous ability of God. If there was one thing he believed in, he believed that God could do anything. And Elijah believed it and acted upon it. Uh, he, was, he believed that God uh, was capable of accomplishing anything. And not only did he believe that God could accomplish anything, but Elijah wasn't shy about asking. You know what? A lot of times if you ask me, what is God capable of doing? I'll tell you, God can do anything. There's nothing that he can't do. But oftentimes I find myself that I'm shy about asking. I've, I just hesitate. I'm like, well, whatever. Elijah wasn't shy about asking. He knew God could do anything, and he didn't hesitate to ask. He was ready and willing to ask God, will you accomplish uh, these things in our life? We saw last week how that Elijah prayed that God would raise the widow's son from the dead, something that had never, ever happened or ever been done before. Elijah said, God, will you do this? And God did it. Did it. Now this week, we see here, let me turn that on for you guys. Sorry about that. Now do you hear me? Aye. Aye. Alright, very good. Uh, this week we see Elijah challenging the prophets of Baal with an unheard of challenge. He says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to see which God will answer by fire. And you know what, whenever Elijah made this challenge, as we look through this story, you're going to find out that Elijah doesn't waver. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't doubt. As a matter of fact, as we go through this story, you're going to see that Elijah stacked the odds against himself. He made it even tougher than it already was, and he did it with a confidence that we really don't see anywhere else in the Word of God. Elijah believed 
God. And so this evening, we're going to dive into this story. And there's several truths that we're going to point out as we go through this thing. Uh, but there's some, some things that I'm going to mention now. I'll mention them again at the end that I believe we see in this story. I believe, first of all, we see the unlimited power of God demonstrated through Elijah's faith. As we look at this story, we're going to see the unlimited power of God. This isn't on your worksheet. You can write it on the back. The unlimited power of God demonstrated through Elijah's faith. Next, we'll see the unbelievable grip that deception can have in the lives of people. And then third, we'll see undeniable proof that our God is the one and only true God. So these truths we'll be pulling out as we go through the story this evening. Let's read uh, 1 Kings chapter uh, number 18 and starting in verse number 17 and read down through the end of the chapter. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves, four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people, and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are four hundred and fifty men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourself, and dress it first. For ye are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. It came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lances till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past that they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and he cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. 
Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. We'll leave off reading there. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, dear Lord, that you have blessed us and given us this opportunity to come to your house. Now, Lord, as we look at this miracle, uh, Father, that you wrought at the hand of Elijah, Father, I pray that you will help us, Lord, to be able to make application to our lives, that, Father, Lord, will help us learn to be people of faith, people that will trust you, people that will depend upon what you are capable of doing. And, Father, we'll thank you for it. Bless us now throughout this evening. Do be with those, uh, Lord, that were on the prayer sheet. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll be with each one. I pray you meet each and every need. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll be with the CG3 downstairs. Uh, bless Aiden and Brother Kent as they're teaching. Father, I pray that you'll work and bless with them. Thank you, dear Lord, for this opportunity to be in your house. Bless your word. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we dive into this amazing story, uh, we begin to see several things. But the first thing that we see in verses 17 and 18 is a distinct clarification. A distinct clarification. It says, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and hast followed Balaam. Ahab gives a perfect illustration of how many people respond to the judgment of God in their life. God had warned the nation of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy that if they left following God and they turned unto idols, that one of the first things he would do is that he would stop the rain. And so when Elijah showed up and told Ahab that God was stopping the rain, they should have known why God was stopping the rain. It should have been evident to them that God was sending this judgment because they had begun to worship other idols. They had turned away from the living God. It should have been obvious, just like many times whenever things come into our life. It ought to be obvious why it is there because the Bible is full of warnings that says here are the repercussions for these actions. And so we see here that he came to Ahab and Ahab said, Art thou he? that troubleth Israel. Ahab should have known why there was no rain. Ahab should have understand that this was a result of beginning to worship Baal and worship idols. Ahab should have known this. But whenever he saw Elijah, after three years of no rain, he looked at Elijah and he said, You're the man that caused us all of this trouble. You know what? Oftentimes uh, we find ourselves in exactly that situation. Uh, uh, we find ourselves going through difficulties uh, or troubles or whatever and we want to blame the troubles uh, on everybody uh, 
but ourself. We don't want to take credit for it. We don't want to imagine that it's our fault. We don't want to imagine that it's the result of something we did, but we want to blame it on everybody else. In this situation, Ahab began to blame the man of God for the judgment on sin that was in his own house. We see here that God was doing exactly what he said that he would do, and yet it seems that Ahab was oblivious to the fact that God had sent the famine for the purpose of bringing him to repentance. You know something that a lot of people don't understand, and it's because we have a material mindset, not an eternal mindset. But something that a lot of people do not understand is that the judgment of God is often the mercy of God. Because you, having your eternity settled, is far more important than your comforts in this life. And oftentimes, whenever people begin to stray away from God and turn their back on God, God will send judgment into their life as a token of mercy to get them to recognize that they need to turn back to God because God is far more concerned with your eternal outcome than He is your material well-being. God sent famine into the land of Israel and he sent it in for the sole purpose of bringing them to a place of repentance. But now for three years they've not had any rain. Here in this passage of scripture if you read just ahead of where we started you'll find out that Ahab and his servants were out looking for some grass that they could feed their horses and mules so that they didn't lose all of their livestock. Three years they've not had any rain. Three years they've not been able to feed their livestock. They have suffered great loss and yet they have no idea that God is trying to get their attention. At this point in Israel's history, they were so far removed from following God that they had not even considered that the lack of rain was the result of their sin. Matter of fact, we'll see in a few minutes that they had so long entertained the idea of Baal worship that they had even began to doubt the existence of God. And God was trying to get their attention and they had no idea what was going on. You know what, if we can make an application right here, whenever trouble enters your life, it may not always be a result of sin. Matter of fact, there is trouble that will come into the life of those who have no sin. We have that a whole book written on the life of Job who was an upright man and who suffered great tribulation and great trial of no fault of his own. At any time trouble comes into our life, whether we have sin in our life or whether we do not, we should always, our immediate response to trouble in our life should be to look to God. The situation of Ahab and Israel, if they would have looked to God, they would have realized that God was trying to bring them to a place of repentance. Job looked to God as he should have. And by looking to God, Job was able to glorify God, which was the reason for the trials and the trouble in his life. Anytime trial and trouble comes into your life, God knows that the trial and trouble is there, and God will use that trial or that trouble to bring glory to him. Don't imagine Brother Lance reminds me using him as an example, but some time back, Brother Lance was contacted, contracted cancer. Just shortly thereafter, within a day or two, that Brother Lance found that out. 
I was at Walmart and he was at Walmart and we encountered one another. And Brother Lance told me, he said, I'm just excited to see how God is going to use this in my life. I just, just blew me away, Brother Lance. I mean, I mean, maybe there's some people that can get that mindset, but it normally takes a few days to process it. I mean, he was ready. God sent a problem into my life, and I'm excited. I want to see how God is going to use this so that I can glorify him, so that I can bring praise to him. I want to see how God is going to use this trial. That is exactly whenever trouble comes into our life, we need to learn to look to God because God knows it's there, and God is using it in some way or other to improve us or to bring glory to Him. Whenever trouble comes into your life, it's not time to turn your back on God, but it is time to look to God. Israel could have avoided months and even years of famine if they would have looked to God and recognized that the lack of rain was the the working of the hand of God. Israel, however, failed to see that God was trying to get their attention. So God sent Elijah with another demonstration of His power Verses 19 down through 21, we see Elijah addressing a destructive controversy. A destructive controversy. As I said a moment ago, uh, Israel had entertained Baal in their country so long that Israel began to wonder if God even existed. Elijah told them there in verse number 19 to go and get the prophets of Baal. Go get all of the children of Israel and bring them together. And in verse number 21, Elijah came after everyone was gathered. And Elijah came to all the people and he said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. We see here that there was a destructive controversy. The people had allowed Baal into their country. They had allowed Baal into their homes. They had, they had tolerated Baal worship. They had put up with Baal worship. It had become commonplace, something that was despised, something that was despicable, something that they wanted nothing to do with was now something that they tolerated. After a while, it became something that they accepted. And now Israel has come to a point that the prophet Elijah stands before the descendants of those who crossed the Red Sea stands before the descendants of those who ate manna, stood before the descendants of those who had seen water come from a rock, and he said to them, if God be God, let him be God, but if Baal be God, let him be God. He said, how long are you going to be splitting? How long are you going to be confused about this? We've got to draw a line. We've got to determine who God is. There was a destructive controversy. They had begun to debate whether or not they really believed God. You know what, you and I need to be careful what we allow to influence us. We need to be careful what we allow into our lives, what we allow into our homes, what we tolerate, what we allow to come in. Because you begin to tolerate it, you'll eventually accept it. And sooner or later, you will begin to doubt the very existence of the God who created you. Elijah said, how long halt you here? We've got to move on. So, because the children of Israel were unsure what they believed, now God was going to work through Elijah to demonstrate his divine power. And in order to do this, we see in verses 22 through 24 that Elijah gives the prophets of Baal a direct challenge. He gives a direct challenge to the prophets of Baal. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, 
But Baal's prophets are 450 men. I, I like this. He says, let them, therefore, choose us two bullocks. And Elijah's like, they just wanted me. 450 of y'all, y'all go get the cows, okay? I'm, I'm going to sit here and wait. They more y'all to me, so y'all go get the cows. He said, let, let them, therefore, give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces, lay it on wood, put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Here in this passage, we begin to see the extent of Elijah's faith. Now, we all know that God is capable of delivering fire from heaven. We all know that God has all power and with all ability. We know that our God is capable of being victorious. We know that our God was definitely able to do what Elijah was about to ask him to do. But you know what? There are a lot of times smaller things like needing chairs for a Sunday school classroom that although I know God is able to do it, I hesitate to ask him. You say, well, Elijah wasn't really sticking his neck out. I mean, of course God's able to do this. Have you ever prayed for fire? I mean, it's a pretty big thing he's praying for. Elijah's sticking his neck away. He said, I tell you what we're going to do. Here's exactly what we're going to do. I'm going to, we're going to get two cows. We're going to put them on the altar. Y'all pray for fire, and I'll pray for fire, and whoever's God answers, uh, that's who's going to be God. And they said, it's good. Let's do this. Elijah began to demonstrate just what kind of faith he had. Elijah would not have made this wager unless he was pretty confident that God was going to answer with fire. You know, there's a difference in head knowledge and active faith. We all know that God is able. I doubt there's a person in here that would say, well, Pastor John, there's some things I'm just not sure if God can do. We all know that God is able. We all know that He is completely capable. We all know who He is and what He can do. But boy, I'm telling you what, whenever it comes down to putting our life on the line, whenever it comes down to sticking our neck out, putting our reputation on the line, whenever comes down to where we're going to risk it all and we have no guarantee of success outside of if God answers prayer. Although we know a lot of times we hesitate to ask. But Elijah he had some active faith. I'm telling you what, he just moved forward. Elijah does not hesitate to challenge the prophets of Baal. Elijah has full confidence that God can and will come through because of his confidence he does not hesitate. Now, what we see next in verses 25 to 29 honestly ought to break our hearts. For while there are some who struggle to put their trust in the Lord, there are others who blindly put their trust in false gods and false religions and deceptions of the devil, risking and many times giving their lives for something that is not real. In verses 25 to 29, I see a deceived company. A deceived company. Verse 25, And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourself, and dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. They took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and they called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. It came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry loud, for he is a god. Boy, I tell you what, there is a whole message right here in verse number 27 comparing our God to their God. We'll try not to preach that tonight, though. We'll just move on. 
But he says here, cry aloud for he is a God. Either he is talking or he is pursuing or he is in a journey or peradventure he sleepeth or must be awake. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lances till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. Boy, I tell you what. Just reading this right here gets me fired up because my God works completely different from that. We'll see that in just a minute. The prophets of Baal, here's the sad part. The prophets of Baal were convinced that there was a possibility that God would hear them. We are admiring Elijah because Elijah said, I'll make this challenge. I'll take this wager. I'm willing to do this. And we admire Elijah for his faith. But do not miss the fact that the prophets of Baal took the offer. They were willing to bet with him. These people were convinced that their God could answer with fire. The only problem was that there is no God named Baal. There is no God named Baal who has power to send down fire. This is not that he was some other deity. He is a false God. He doesn't exist outside of man-made statues and images. There is no God. But yet they were committed to him and they gave themselves to it. Not even did they, not only did they believe it, but they cried long. They cried hard. They afflicted themselves. They cut themselves. They did everything in their power. They exerted themselves hoping that they would hear from their God. This world is plumb full of people who are far more devoted to a false hope than many Christians are to the true and living God. And I tell you what, me and you need not misunderstand the power of deception. These people relied on a God not only who didn't answer, but they relied on a God who could not answer. This world is filled with people who are relying on false hopes. And you and I need to be Elijahs who show them that there is a real God. In verse 30 through verse number 38, we see Elijah's divine confidence. Divine confidence. After they had tried all day long to get the attention of their God, Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. The people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Drop down to verse number 33. And he put the wood in order. They cut the bullocks in pieces and laid him on the wood. He said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And they did it the second time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran about the altar and it filled up the, the, the trench around the altar came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stone and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now I'll just point a little something out to you right here. Elijah dumped four barrels of water three times, or 12 barrels of water on this altar, filled the trench up. But when the fire fell, not only did it burn everything up that was there, but the Bible says, I like this word, and 
the dust. It got outside of where the water had been, and it licked all that up too. Because <laughs> you don't have dust if it's wet. It got outside of the saturated stuff. It burnt everything up completely. We all know the story. But what I love about Elijah's actions in this passage is that he clearly displayed his confidence in God's ability. Elijah was already asking for something that was humanly impossible. There's no way that he could make fire fall from heaven. He was asking for something that was completely impossible. But he went a step farther. He upped the odds. He completely eliminated any possibility of human intervention. He cut off any hope of a natural occurrence or a freak of nature. He made it absolutely, completely impossible. Elijah made it clear that if this sacrifice was consumed, it would prove beyond doubt that there was an almighty God. And God did not disappoint. I love this right here. As a matter of fact, just as Elijah went overboard with his faith, God went overboard with his answer. Elijah said, I believe that fire can fall from heaven, but we're going we gonna to prove that he's God. Let's take the most valuable resource that we have right now and let's pour it all over this altar. Let's make sure that there is absolutely no way that this thing can catch on fire. Elijah upped his odds. Elijah said, we want to make sure that there is proof that this is God. And because Elijah had extraordinary faith, God answered with an extraordinary answer. Now, just, a, just one bolt of fire would have been sufficient. Just burning up the bullock would have completely proved that he was God. But because Elijah said, I've got great faith, God said, I've got a great answer. You know what the Bible tells us that we have faith of a mustard seed. We're able to move mountains. Imagine when you have more than the faith of a mustard seed. God can do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think. Elijah demonstrated absolute, complete, unwavering, confident faith in God's ability to answer. And God answered in a remarkable display of power. I honestly believe that our prayers are answered in relation to our faith in God. Small faith equals small answers. Extraordinary faith brings remarkable answers. But before we go on, before you begin to think, and many people have went down this road, and begin to think that I can get anything that I ask God for, we need to take a look back at Elijah's prayer. Verse number 38. Or 36, excuse me. Verse number 36. I have 38 here, but 38 don't come before 37. So, 36. Here's Elijah's prayer. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant. Now catch this last phrase. And that I have done all these things at thy word. Look at that phrase. I have done all these things at thy word. What am I saying? Elijah was asking God to do what God had already said he would do. We don't find record in the word of God of when God came to Elijah and told Elijah that he was going to answer with fire. But from this phrase in this prayer, 
we know that God had told Elijah beforehand, Elijah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go up there. I want you to prepare the altars. And Elijah, I will answer with fire. So when Elijah began to pray, he wasn't asking God to do something that he had never heard of or he had never thought about uh, or something that just occurred to him. Elijah was asking God to do what God had already said he would do. God had already promised he would answer with fire. And now Elijah is saying, all Elijah had to say was, God, it's ready. Let's do it. Because God had already said he was going to do it. Now, how does this apply to our faith? The Word of God is smack full of things that God has said he will do. All we have to do is ask him and he'll do it. Smack full of things that God said, I will do that. I will take care of it. I will answer. All we have to do is we have faith. We need to have faith to believe that God will do what he said he would do. The problem comes whenever folks begin to look at this thing of faith and they begin to get the idea that they can accomplish things outside of the Word of God if they have enough faith. And the Bible nowhere teaches that. The Bible says if we believe God, God will do what He has said He will do. But never anywhere do we have record that says that God will do above and beyond what He has said He could do. We cannot use faith as a tool to force the hand of God. The Bible says in James 4 and verse number 3, you ask and receive not. Because you ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Many times we try to blame God with unfaithfulness when the real problem is the nature of our prayers. God told Elijah, he said, you go get everything lined up, partner, and I'll send the fire. You're like, well, man, if God would tell me that, I'd have a lot more faith too. He has a whole book full of promises that we hesitate to believe. The Bible says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. I use myself as an example again. We needed chairs for a Sunday school room. God had the chairs. He knew where the chairs were. Everything was lined up. Do you know what I did? I spent much time looking at Amazon, looking at Walmart, looking at uh, furniture warehouse, looking at uh, uh, furnishingthesaints.com, everywhere. I was looking, I was looking, I was looking. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't say, Lord, I need chairs for my Sunday school. But he said in his word that he'd supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. My wife said, I'm going to pray God give us some chairs. I'm going to pray that God give them to us. And I'm like, you heard what I said. Okay, whatever. Sorry. Unspiritual pastor moment. You know what God did? He had already said he would do it. All we had to do was ask. If it's in his word that he'll do it, all we got to do is ask. But many times, more than we like to admit, we fail to ask. And the reason we fail to ask is because although we know God can do anything, I just wonder, do we really believe He can do anything? We're shy about asking. After God answered, we see two things here, two immediate results. I'll just give them to you and we can go home. In verse number 39, we see that there was a definite conviction. 
And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Whenever God comes out, whenever His people believe in Him, and whenever God is able to exhibit His power, it brings conviction on others. And then in verse number 40, we see a deadly consequence. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. There are those who are deceived and following after false religion, and it brings a deadly consequence. There is no hope to those who follow false religions. This evening, I challenge you with the same three thoughts that we started with. Number one, are you protecting the life and lives of your loved ones from the power of deception? Are you guarding what you allow into your own life and into your home? Are you watching the influences that are influencing your own mind and the minds of those that are under you? Are you careful of what is influencing you and others? You know what? Many times we preach and preach and preach about the importance of watching what's influencing our children. But you know what I think we need to preach more? is watch what's influencing me because we're easily persuaded as well. Are you watching what's influencing you so that you can avoid deception? Then number two, do you practice the faith of Elijah? When you understand from the will of God, from his word, when you understand the will of God from his word, do you act upon it in full confidence, knowing that God will do what he's promised? And then last of all, does your life demonstrate the power of the Almighty God? When people witness your interaction with God, are they convinced that he is real? It is my prayer that the Lord would give me and each of us the faith of Elijah. Boy, if we could just believe that God will do what he said he would do and act on it. I'm telling you, there's no telling what God could accomplish. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this story. I pray, dear Lord, that it's been a blessing. I pray it's been a challenge. And Lord, I pray that you will help us, Lord, to increase our faith. And Lord, to put our trust in you and believe in you. And Father, Lord, to let you work through us to accomplish great and mighty things. Thank you for this service. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. I pray you'll be with us. We go our different ways home. Bless us throughout the week. And Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You are dismissed.